Gave you the signal too soon. We have to hear the chorus on this song and then we will move forward. Okay, once again, I've made the terrible mistake of introing the show with a song that I would like to hear every single second of. What are you going to do? Queens of the Stone Age came out with a brand new album just a couple weeks ago, and I'm still on the fence about it. I'm still spending time with it. I'm still digesting it. There are albums of theirs that I didn't genuinely discover until years after they came out, and I'm not where where I sit on the first one, so I'm not inundating people with brand new Queens of the Stone Age. That, however, right there is Josh Ami on guitar and on vocals. Any guesses on drums? Oh, is it? uh... Look over your left shoulder. Yeah, it's uh, Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly that's what, what I was going to say. Now, here's yeah. the mind bender. And in fact, that song's called Mind Eraser, No Chaser. Here's the mind bender. Who do you think plays bass? It's a, it's a power trio album all the way through. Who do you think plays bass on that record? Flea. You could guess for the next 500 years and not get there. No, it is not Flea. You get two more guesses. Are they, is it somebody I would know? Oh, absolutely. Shit. Who else would it be? I don't know why course language is called for. That's fine. And, and that was not fair <laughs> test. I sprung that on you. But when I found out about this record coming out and how good it is, even as mathy it. as it is, yeah. John Paul Jones, he played bass in a little oh. band called Led Zeppelin. Heard uh, of them? You may have heard of them oh my before. God. I, it, seriously, Them Crooked Vultures is the name of this one-off trio album. I think they toured like four or five shows. I would travel to see that band perform live. They're all great. I, I mean, Dave Grohl was part of Queens of the Stone Age, some of their most influential years. And then I, there's a great interview online with Josh Ami, uh, lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age and Them Crooked Vultures. And he's like, well, Dave Grohl called me and he's like, who should we get? He's like, you know what? I'll call John Paul Jones. And then Josh Ami's like, okay, I'll call George W. Bush. <laughs> I, you know, like, I mean, like, what, what, yeah. th- th- that's one of the Swing stupidest. Swing and a miss. <laughs> and, but it turns out that yeah. record hits all the way through. If you like any of those people, you'll like that whole record. Hi, it's the Brian Oak Show podcast, episode 326. My name is Brian. That's Sean. Sean, how is early to mid-July finding you? It's good. I've uh, been doing a painting project at my house with my daughter, and I tore... You mean like a portrait? Like a, no, like a huge no, Dutch like master a, sort like, of thing? Like a, we took off this fake bullshit stone that they had on the front of our house since the 1980s. Uh-oh. And I found, I discovered underneath that there was uh, the original cedar wood siding there. So, of course, it had way too many layers of paint on it, so we stripped that down, and then I had to replace broken boards. Well, I'm going to cut right to the end of the story, which is when I I tore an intercostal muscle in between my ribs and my back. I wasn't sure if you were going to tell me that you broke a, a really important structure in the home or a really important structure on your body. 
And that's the worst answer. What does that mean? Well, here's what's weird about it. Like sitting up like I am now, great. Walking around, great. Laying down to sleep, not so much. Really, really painful. You know that I've had the bad knee for quite some time. Oh, now, yeah. Walking around, I, it feels like there's almost yes. nothing going on. Yeah. If I get more than seven hours of sleep, I wake up with it like someone, like like in the movie Misery. Do you ever see that? Oh, yeah. You're like I've been hobbled. Like, I'm Kathy like, Bates. Ha, ha, as I, ha, as I hobble <laughs> over to the light switch. So are you going to be okay? I will be, yeah. Just four to six weeks and then just avoid sneezing and coughing, they said. Well, I looked. I looked right. At, I looked right at. I looked right at the doctor, and of course, I was hoping this moment hit. But I looked at. I go, well, thank God it wasn't the Pentecostal muscle. And there was just this pause, and then she just absolutely lost it. Yeah. Okay. okay so she did get. <laughs> she it. did get it, and actually, but she, she laughed. wasn't sure she could She's laugh. Like, Nobody else has ever done that one for me. And I, then, of course, you get them going, and you got to keep. You got to keep rolling with it. Well, you're an entertainer. That's what you know. That's what you do. But I mean, you, I'm, I'm not being no, sarcastic. No, no, no. no you it was are just. An it was just. It was and fun. You got her. It was fun you because there her, was baby. that beat. There yeah. was that beat of like. Like, should I know what a Pentecostal? And she's like, oh, Pentecostal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so it sucks, but it's weird. It's it's like fine till about two or three in the morning, and then I'm up and writhing pain. I ice it, take a muscle relaxer, do some mescaline, and go back to sleep. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. And that's not a microdose either, all right? <laughs> um, before we get to today's guest, who has joined us a couple times before. Futon Dave. Has literally... <laughs> moved more furniture into this room than anyone other than Sean. Um, we'll talk to him very shortly, but before we do, let's get a couple sponsors out of the way. We are in the Smart Start MN Studios. It is a gorgeous Saturday late morning, early afternoon in South Minneapolis here on Chicago Avenue. We're near 48th in Chicago in the Smart Start MN Studios and Smart Start has been with us since we were like borrowing other people's studios, since before we ever did a single episode and somehow, more than three and a half years later, they remain. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What does that mean? Well, it means that if you're calling them, you or someone that you love or care about fucked up. They drank and then they drove. And you can't do that, but hopefully they got out of it without hurting themselves or anyone else. But now you need to get back to some semblance of normal life. Smart Start MN will get you back into your vehicle more quickly and for way less money than you would probably assume considering all the other expenses of a DUI. And all these people that say, well, I've never had a DUI and they're so proud of it. That doesn't mean that you didn't deserve one and that you may get that unlucky pullover at some point in your life. So I got popped back in 2001. That's 22 years ago, right? Do you think, Sean, and I want you to be honest, do you think that was the only time I probably shouldn't have been driving because of my drinking? I will admit mine were probably in the hundreds. And even though even though hundreds. some of them even though some of them I was probably barely over. Yeah. There were many other times where I'm like, Yeah, even though I was taking side roads ten blocks, I probably should have there's a what no potato story with my wife that nearly ended uh, our marriage that I shouldn't have drove that day. Wow. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you about that later. But okay, yeah, so smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. One of the most interesting musicians I've ever met in my life is David Anania, and he is our guest again back on the show today. We're going to talk to him in mere, mere moments. But before we do, I... So this morning, I had kind of a tough morning. A lot of emails, a lot of phone calls, a lot of, frankly, bullshit. And it's not the end of the world, right? In In the long list of life's great suffering moments, I'm okay. 
but it was aggressive. And so what do I do in those situations? I start digging through my records, and I was digging through my records and digging through my records, and I came across this incredible album from the band X. Now, their debut album, Los Angeles, is in my top ten albums of all time. But I also love the next four records a lot. They were probably the most melodic band in the punk explosion of L.A. in the late 70s to the early 80s. There were a lot of great bands there. There were a lot of savage bands. But punk was more about being offensive. Punk was more about sort of just like, like I mean, the raw energy, like raw in. Uh-huh. And X was one of those bands that decided they were going to still bring that kind of heat, bring that kind of energy, but they were also going to bring harmony. They were also going to bring loud rock music, and they were going to bring a real musicality and almost a sort of weird transitional form of Americana to what they did. You once said something that I thought was so prescient. Uh, the The... The first time I went to an actual punk show, there was a sense of danger. Like, it felt dangerous. I wasn't safe. No, that's exactly how I felt. I was like, I think I'm too much of a puss (laughs) to be able to handle going into that mosh pit. I did go in for a while, but it was was rough. It's not like you're in shark-infested waters, (laughs) but you also, you know, some people like to go knee deep in the water some people like to go waist deep and some people don't care at all and they dive all the way in head first anyway this is in my top five bands of all time x from wild gift in this house that i call home on the brian oak show
I'm telling you, the first four albums from X are bulletproof. You will not go wrong. You got Los Angeles. You got Wild Gift, which we just heard a song from right there. You have um, More Fun in the New World. And you have, oh my gosh, my favorite one. Sorry, that was number three. Number three is Under the Big Black Sun. Probably my favorite album by that band. Absolutely love them. My name is Brian. That's Sean. Before we finally, finally, after all this time, introduce today's guest, Sean, I want to talk to you about your real estate endeavors. I know that summertime is a crazy time it is people have either been building up and now with everyone getting back out to go to shows go do whatever just be outside and around people people are feeling itchy they're feeling antsy yeah yeah and you know what's weird is that regardless of whatever interest rates are which they're fine right now they're not super high they're not super low they're kind of normal if that makes any sense back in the 70s they were at 20 percent yeah but everybody wants them to be at record lows, which I do too because I'm a homeowner, but that's yeah. just not reality. But right. but people move when life changes. So I've got a couple that is going through a divorce right now that I'm helping out. Oof. And and I've got uh, you know a friend, an old radio friend of ours, Ben Holson. He and his wife just bought a house, and I'm also helping them sell their house, which that will close here in a couple of weeks. But they just closed on a house in Shoreview where they want to raise their daughter. They closed on that yesterday. So... Pretty cool. We're going to donate a portion uh, of every buy and sell for the eternity, or at least for the life of the show and beyond. Uh, call 612-859-2594. They've not picked a band yet in which to donate, but we're going to do that early next week, and then I'll let you know. So you're telling me that it could even possibly be David Anania? I think it should especially be Futon Boy. Ananana, David Anania. <laughs> Hey, hey, hello. That occurred to me on the way over here, and I was so pleased with myself that I, I, almost, I almost missed my turn. Hello, David. How are you? I'm fine, Brian, but I actually have to go. Okay. Well, <laughs> I know that was too much. But and he's out. All of a sudden, it popped. I was trying to make sure I remembered how to pronounce your name, David Anania. And for whatever reason, Steam say hey goodbye popped into my head and i feel like if i were at an improv night and sean can speak to this i would have slayed and i would be wearing the tiara out of there that night i i agree i agree with that he doesn't agree That's at all david how are you man i'm fine man it's uh, it's really great to be back i mean it's been i think I think a little over a year and a half since the last time I was here. Yeah, well, and you've been here a couple times before. In fact, that very futon over there that Sean can't seem to stop fucking with, he's put <laughs> he's put a crowbar, like a, not a regular black crowbar like most people own, a giant yellow industrial crowbar like you survived the zombie apocalypse with. He's already applied that to it today. And the, the nonstop drilling and the hammering and the pounding, why do you hate that futon so much? Well, you know, there's... Most of the rest of the offices in here are, are therapy. That's my therapy. I is, see. Is messing with the futon. Is industrial, if not military-grade crowbars. That crowbar is great for taking out old, rusty nails. David, you have been a, <laughs> a, a drummer, and you are a Minnesotan for a long time. But then, of course, you also spent a great deal of time abroad as a blue man, as in the Blue Men Group, correct? That is correct. Yeah, I was in Berlin, Germany for 18 years. That's a long wow. time, it's man. A, it's the longest time I've ever spent living in a single city in my entire life. Wow. Like being born in just north of New York City and then living here for 10 years. Yeah. Berlin wins. Okay. And so, obviously, so did your German get good in 18 years? It, yeah. It took a while because when we, tra we 
trained in the show, it was trained in in English because right. it's an American show. Well, and everybody speaks English in Europe, right? But and, although it's not bad for you to pick up the local dialect. No, but that's the thing. They love speaking English. So anytime that I attempted to butcher German, yeah. which I did for a solid three to five years, <laughs> they would immediately be like, oh, are you English? You sound, I was like, well, I'm American. It's like, oh, I love speaking English. And then I was like, thank <laughs> God, I do not have to put up with, you know, you don't have to put up with my German. But then I realized, well, it's been a while and I'm not leaving. So out of respect to the country that I decided to make an adoptive home, I kind of learned German. How many times, and again, I don't need an exact number, but just sort of a generalized idea. In that 18 years that you're living abroad, I mean, again, because you're still in a westernized country, right? So it's not like night and day. It's not like, I don't know these people. I don't know this lifestyle. But it is different being in Berlin than it is in being Minneapolis. How many times over that 18 years, despite all the madness and all the travel and all the musicianship you got to do, how many times do you think you got homesick and you're like, that's probably enough Berlin for me? You know... It would happen every time I'd come back here. Yeah. Because for the most part, like if I would come back to the States, it would either be to visit, you know, some family in New York or it would be to come back here. And a lot of times I would come back here, it would be involved with like a greasy meal reunion, which uh-huh. is the band I played in uh, back in the 90s here. Exactly. And so whenever I would be back in that mode with those people and playing the music with these incredible musicians, I was like, I'm like, oh. And it's not that. That kind of musicianship didn't exist over there, and I was lucky enough to play with a lot of incredible musicians there as well. But it was like, it's just a, it's a different kind of a vibe. And so I'd be back here, I'm like, ooh, I kind of miss that. And But it but wasn't it, like pangs of heartbreak when you were in Berlin, like, oh man, I got to get back home. That happened actually during the pandemic. Did it? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it was like, it forces, well, it forced everybody who were willing to take a look at what was going on in their lives. Mm. Um, what, what was important in a way. And at that point I was kind of like, you know what? I love living in Europe. I love everything that this show has gifted me over the years of being a part of it. And I've had like incredible, like once in a lifetime experiences playing that show. But then I also realized if the show was to close for good, um, cause we, you know, we were shut down for 18 months. And then we did get back on track and we, we reopened. But by that time, I'd already made the choice to come back here. And it was because if the show really would have shut down for good, I'm like, ah, this is home. And I just wanted to make sure that I was able to, to find a way to get back here. Even after 18 years, this still remains home. Yeah. That's wild, man. Well, as we get older, right, and I'm not putting a date on you at all. I'm not I'm not looking at your UPC code. But as we get older, they, some of those things pop up more often, don't they? <laughs> they it, yeah, they do. And, you know, it was really based on like, okay, if this show closes, I'm going to have to go back and do the hustle. Yeah. And it's like, not the dance, actually, like trying to get... <laughs> Any, yeah. That was pretty good, by that the way, Sean. Yeah, that, I mean, was, that, both was, of you guys that was actually have, solid. Both of you gentlemen have great pitch. I will say <laughs> that. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I was in All-State Choir, David. Okay, thank you very much. Um, but there's nothing wrong with doing... Did anybody else in here have to do the hustle in dance class in gym when oh, you were growing up? no, but we did so many other fucking dances. So, that were, uh, you probably, oh. you, so you're a little younger than me. You probably had to do like the electric slide. 
We had to do stuff like that, but we also did everybody have to do the polka. Did you have to learn how to polka? We had to learn to polka. We had to learn to square dance. Square dance. Alaman left. Square dance. Square dance was mandatory. Are you fucking kidding me? I had to run the fucking mile. That's what I had to do in my gym class. You guys got to dance? No, but there was like the dance (laughs) segment where you're like, please don't let me get paired (laughs) with that one. And of course, because your life is unfortunate and you live at the nadir of fate's laughter, uh, then I spent the entire day square dancing with the girl who was widely regarded, not by me, because I'm not a judger, but widely regarded as the most repellent girl in the entire high school. My name is Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard. We're talking now to David. David, we are going to talk more about your history with the Blue Man Group, more about your history with Greasy Meal. We're also going to talk about some things you have coming up in the very near future, a mere two doors down from where we're sitting right now in the Smart Start MN studios. But here's what I'd like to talk about. The reason I reached out to you is I saw you post online that two days ago, we're recording this on July 8th, two days ago on July 6th was the anniversary of your solo album, give me, because we've already been talking too long without enough music, Give and we can talk more about it on the far side, but give me the elevator speech on why you decided you were doing a solo music, where you did it, and no? I just I have no idea what the elevator speech means. It's a quick oh. speech. It's like, it's like you're, if we were in an elevator on the first floor going up to the 15th floor, you'd be able to tell your full story in that amount of time. That's why it's called so that. elevator speech is like a quick pitch, like the people yeah. who go on Shark Tank. Yeah. If you've got 30 seconds, you suddenly see the guy who's going to move your story forward or buy your script. That's what an elevator speech no is. No pressure. No pressure. Honestly, He's checking I mean, his pulse. You know what? I mean, I, I know they have elevator speeches in Berlin, too, man. Yeah, and it usually takes one word, and by the end of that one word, you have to get out of the elevator. Okay, well, I'm sorry that the elevators are so much better than what we have here. We don't have conveyor belts, we don't have hovercraft, so it doesn't have to be a proper elevator speech, but give me the very brief intro to your solo album that you're celebrating five years of, and then we'll talk more about it on the far side. Yeah, I I mean, ever since I was a kid, like, my main role model was Phil Collins, like, both with Genesis and his solo career and, and... other other members of the band as well and I got really into songwriting and production and kind of messing around on multiple instruments so I started to learn how to play keyboards a little bit a little bit of guitar you know with the keyboard I could then play like keyboard bass I could play other instruments like horn instruments with samples all that stuff and over the years I just started amassing original songs that I put together and would record them at home into my laptop my you know, my Mac has this logic program where you could just record multiple tracks of, of like virtual instruments. And in about a decade's worth of time, I had amassed about, I don't know, 12 or 13 songs. And sounds decided, like an album's worth right it there. It kind of sounds like an album's worth, right? right? And it all started from me having a case of stage fright where we had like a, a we had an open mic night that a bunch of the Blue Man people were doing like on a monthly basis and i was like you know what i'm gonna take my guitar and sing one of these songs i wrote and i totally pooched it in <laughs> such a great term because, yeah. but, but but that's i mean oh, that's man. part of being alive right like yes. if you don't fuck up you're not going to appreciate it when it's sweet and awesome and savory and, and that's exactly it it's you know i got done with that and i was just like shaking i was like oh this is i'm fucking i'm fucking ruined <laughs> You know, it's over. So, some like, ba- over. some base, basement like stage setup in like a like an Ethiopian restaurant in Berlin. Yeah, and and then I wrote a song about that, and I was like, oh, this actually, I think this is actually kind of good. And 
10 years later, I was in my favorite studio in Berlin, Studio Wong, and recorded all the drums and redid, you know, did all the vocals and everything like that. And it took about a year total from start to finish. And I'm very grateful that it happened. Clearly, uh, David has literally never heard the term elevator speech before. No, I was going to say, we've been at the penthouse. They're holding the door. It's buzzing. We were going to do all that on the other side. (laughs) But here we are. Here's the song Never on the Brian Oak Show. I thought you said dumb waiter.
apparently a decade or more in the making. Reinvent the Feel is the name, correct? That's the name of the record, yeah. All right, very good. And two days ago was the fifth anniversary of David Anania's solo release. Now, that was awesome. Like, that had pop elements from eras that I genuinely appreciate. There was a lot going on right there. What if someone heard that right now and they're like, shit, that was good. Where do I find that? Well, they can find it. On most streaming platforms, which I appreciate every listen that I get. Of However, course. if they would like to purchase. Um, which we, by the way, on this show, we strongly encourage. Yes. We, we don't just talk to musicians, but we talk primarily to musicians. And being a musician is not, I mean, the I would say 99.99999% of them are not driving Learjets or getting limo rides to where they go. They just want to keep making music for you. They just want to keep giving you something that provides that soundtrack. Like, that sounded like a genius summer song right there. I haven't heard that song before. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you know what? It was really fantastic for me is like, you know, back in the 90s and which isn't that long ago right oh i just remember just i'm just gonna put it this way go ahead i love the fact that a song that i wrote just got introduced and then came out of a fade out into your voice talking about it here's that's that's kind of a dream for me well (laughs) and i'm I'm, I'm, that's a good song i think you need deeper and bigger and stronger dreams but (laughs) thank you um (laughs) i also am more than happy to make you happy because here's the deal man a good song Nobody knows everything, right? I mean, there's way too much to know. And then if you keep your mind open and you enjoy the vibe and you understand the people who are behind it, it can change things, man. I mean, like that, that was a good song. And people could go, where was the money place? Bandcamp? Uh, no, it's, uh, that would be iTunes for sure. And then okay. Am- Amazon CD. All right. Or they can reach out to me directly. And I've still got some physical copies of the CD that are available. What's your home address? No, okay, uh, we're not going there. No, no. I, hold on we, here. It's right next we, to my social security Before number. we <laughs> go any further with David Anania, drummer for Greasy Meal, drummer for Germany's version of the Blue Men Group, not version of franchise. I mean, there are Blue Men all over the world, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually, I got hired originally, which is why I left Minneapolis. I got hired for the New York show, and I played that for about three years, and then they were like, we're kicking you out of the United States. Oh. So, yeah. No, they, they, it was an incredible experience. That's the original show. It started in 1991. So let me ask you this. I went and saw Blue Man Group at Target Center once, and I can't, I, I couldn't remember the year with the gun to my head, but Venus Hum was the opener. Within less than the last year, maybe six months ago, I posted a video of that amazing Donna Summer finale, right? Yeah. Um, where maybe it's not the finale, but where, there is not only great vocals, and the Blue Men are in fine form. You told me there might be earth, wind, and fire numbers of people on stage for that particular show, and you're like, I'm all the way up in the back left. I was like, <laughs> what? You, who? What? So there was a time you were playing with them before you became a Blue Man. Well, but that's the thing. Like, I'm actually, I was never a Blue Man. I'm what? T- I'm too short. How tall do you have to be? You have to be between 5'10 and 6'1". You and I are the same. What do you mean you're not 5'10"? I'm not 5'10". So you were never an actual blue man, but you were, mm. but you still were part of them for two decades. I was, yeah, because they have a really cool situation where they all will, they'll always use live musicians yeah. in the show, and it's really fun music to well, play. And you can tell it's fun to be in the crowd. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like it's super interactive and like weird and bizarre and unique and fun and funny and kind of educational but the music is like for a drummer it's 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 a dream for 
a, a drummer to play a show yeah. like that. Like yeah, that's, yeah. it's just, it was incredible. Well, I mean, and I would say Blue Man Group, obviously there's guitar. There is plenty of synthesizer. There are an incredible array of visual effects that go on. It's an overall experience, but it's genuinely percussion based, right? I mean, like when you talk about all the weird instruments they've invented and all the things they've done, and then having three drum kits on the highest riser behind them. I mean, this is, this is a highly percussive show, right? Oh, yeah, the way it should be. Well, there we are. Before we continue with David, uh, we do have to mention Moxie Wealth Management. Now, I've been thinking a lot about money lately and my future and what things look like uh, due to various circumstances that Hmm. legally I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, And it's made me wonder, like, I mean, like, I don't need to live. I don't need to have a gilded toilet. I don't need to live in vast luxury. I don't need to have an expansive private piece of property. I just want to be comfortable. Yeah. Somebody once told me recently, they're like, you ever move, all you need is a chair, a spoon, and a cup. And I was like, yeah, I suppose that checks out, the math track. I mean, there's a few other things I'd like to have, and that's why Moxie Wealth Management is a good place to check in with. Just at least, you know, take the temperature, right? The Check the barometer on where you are financially in terms of assets, in terms of other things that you may have in the hopper. Just let them take a look at it and see what they might be able to do to help you. Yeah, I just sent another... Um family over to see Joe. Uh, they're meeting, I think, on the 20th of this month. Uh, and I just, the way I talked about him is he's just a very down-to-earth guy, huge music fan. They are as well. I said, you're not going to be talked down to, which matters a ton, because a lot of us are idiots when it comes to money. It. When it comes to money. Idiots. Uh, when it comes to proper finance, yes. even though my father built an entire career out of finance, yes. when it's like, well now, so what are you thinking? Are you thinking you'd rather keep this here or roll that into a Roth IRA? I'm like, I don't have a single idea so that's where people like this come into play exactly right i think everybody knows they if 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 it's still around that social security is one thing that they'll be able to use with retirement whoa whoa whoa. potentially their home they'll be able to cash out on if it's still around if it's still around i've got a pretty big gamble on that one yeah Yeah, hello yeah i think everybody does but but i mean all of us are kind of looking at and and we're not that far away from it especially those that are uh, 55 now uh, May 13th, Brian whoa, whoa, but, but whoa. It's, it's coming quicker than we can imagine, but go set up an appointment, at least kind of find out where you're at. Many people have an IRA they haven't looked at in 10 years, or they had one with the job and they never knew what happened to it. So there, there's a lot of clueless people out there or, 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 or in our situation, my wife's financial planner Hasn't called her in about eight years. That and, seems like a long time to just yeah. sit there and collect fees. That seems <laughs> like it's huh. kind of odd. He said, when's the last time you heard from him? Oh, my gosh. She's like, well, we lived okay, uh, here. So I'm like, okay, that was eight years ago. Okay. So get in touch with Joe at moxiewealthmanagement.com. Set an appointment. Find out where you're at and where you're going and if you're doomed or not. <laughs> Oh, it's heavy for a weekend to be certain. Um, But at least check out with them. I mean, again, even if you don't go with them, find out where you stand, because that's something that's going to become more and more important with every single inexorable grinding passing day. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 326. <laughs> I'm Brian, that's Sean. I couldn't help it. I wanted to give them at least one dramatic plug there at the end. David Anania is our guest. We're going to go into another song because we've been talking for too long. 
you talk about this guy. So you are a percussionist by trade and you represent percussion. I mean, drums literally have informed your entire childhood into adult life. Is that fair? Absolutely. Now, you think that this guy is number one all time. This is your guy. Well, he's he's my guy as a drummer, but also just overall. Yeah, like yeah. Everything that he did in his career, whether Genesis or his solo work and as a producer or whatever. Right. So, yeah, but and, and he he got under my skin when I was about nine years old. So, and, so a, how did, I mean, like, so do you remember hearing his music on the radio? Did your family have records of his? How did he infect your life at nine years old? Yeah, when I, I was spending the weekend with my older brother, who was yeah. also the reason why I played drums. And, I remember and hit story, the bong yeah. for the first time. Yeah, and that was... <laughs> when, just, huh? just yeah, it's, it's not TMZ. I was just messing around. I had a few friends when I was very young, and their older <laughs> brothers were highly influential. That's all I was saying. I'm put, sorry. Put interrupting the high, story. Highly, highly influential. influential. Exactly. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so, yeah. So, he... I was hanging out with him for the weekend in his apartment and you know, I was like, that was cool for me because I was a kid and we were in the city and I was like, I want to play this record for you. I think you're going to really dig this. The drumming's cool. The songs are bizarre, like good, bizarre. And he played a couple of songs from a live Genesis record that was recorded in 1977 and it had, it was the first full huge tour that they did after Phil Collins took over for Peter Gabriel as the lead vocalist. Mm-hmm. And then they also hired a tour drummer for the most part on that record was Chester Thompson, who he got from Frank Zappa's band. So it was like just wow. world class players. And like there were just double drumming and there were these like progressive rock odd time signatures and there was a drum duet and all this stuff that like a normal nine year old kid probably you would just be like yeah and go outside and play football but it just that's knocked, my it question right there is like that kind of stuff you know people who are into prog people who dig that sort of complexity that sort of math you bring up zappa is a perfect example unless you have a degree in music theory that stuff doesn't appeal to a lot of people and certainly not a lot of nine-year-olds no it was really strange but it, i fell in love with it immediately and I, I i grew up in a household where there was like there's a lot of different musical styles going around on the mm-hmm. on the hmm, record player we call them turntables in the business oh sorry <laughs> um and so i was listening to like my dad was an actor so I, so i was listening to broadway like musical soundtracks and my oldest brother was into you know classic rock zeppelin the the beatles and then my middle brother was like santana and all of a sudden i was like listening to genesis and it was just i kind of had this bizarre mixture that kind of maybe opened my ears a little younger than uh, you know most other people to that can i ask what city that all transpired in as you were growing up and this was unfolding this was in new york this know? was in new york and yeah. where whereabouts in new york because that's a huge state it's a very huge state i i was raised like the first five years of my life i was it was a town called millwood which is about 35 minutes north of the city i'm more interested in the older brothers the genesis awakening where did you live at that point that was at that point, I was living even farther north from the city in a okay. town, little town called Carmel. But it's an easy place to grow really good weed, apparently, because it sounds like you and your brothers were certainly having the time of your life. I, well, mine was a bit like, I was kind of secondhand, but I was like, oh, Phil's room <laughs> smells interesting. Hmm. Um, 
And uh, uh, as your but, brother's like, no, man, no, no, no. You have to listen to Amandul. Yeah. Amandul is going to change <laughs> your understanding. Also, Les Dudek. Wait until he really gets into it on the second chorus here. Oh, man. You, you music heads, man. You blow my mind. All right. We've been talking once again too long. It is time to get into more music. So you were talking about that live Genesis record. Is that where this comes from? No. This comes from the record that I mistakenly bought thinking it was the live Genesis record that I was uh, listening to. Sean, have you ever mistakenly bought a record that you thought was a different record and then you got home and you're like, this isn't yep. the fucking record. Oh, I absolutely. So yeah. Why? Yeah, absolutely. Because some friend like said, hey, this song is on this album. Go buy yeah. it. And I went and bought it and I got home and I was like, but sometimes you're pleasantly surprised. Well, that's true. And I was actually in this case, but I went and bought because I heard the song Heavy Metal from by Don Felder, apparently, but no wow. one told me that. That is the theme song to the 1980s uh, animated extravaganza of metal and madness. And I'm like, heavy metal? Cool. And so I went to the record store in Musicland at Northtown in Coon Rapids at one point, and I flipped through, and I was looking around. I'm like, Sammy Hagar, Standing Hampton, and there was a song on it called heavy metal i'm like well that's got to be the fucking song right i mean who else has a song called heavy metal i bought it it wasn't on there yeah. now, but the problem is is i kind of i kind of that my heart grew three sizes that day i, I got <laughs> a um i got kind of a soft spot for the red rocker on that day when i brought it home because like you said pleasantly surprised i'm sorry once again i interrupted but it's such a good topic like it things is. you didn't mean to buy but then there they were and was it totally painful and apparently not because you picked a song off this one uh yeah and this is actually it, it kind of goes back and forth with another genesis record that as my favorite all-time genesis record say it so, out loud which one? Oh, the name of this record no the, no no the name of your favorite all-time Oh, well, but they, they kind of teeter-totter. Like, okay, well, I mean, you so, can say the name of this one, but give me the name of the other one. Okay, well, this one is, the record is Wind and Wuthering, uh -huh. and the other record is Duke, and that one's from, like, 1980, so it has, like, this, this people know, probably Turn It On Again and Misunderstanding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's off of that record. But this one was the second record, studio record, after Phil started singing lead vocals, and this song, it didn't hit me at first, because it's very it's a ballad but like as i got older i really grew to appreciate the orchestration and there's a beautiful like kind of classical guitar intro that steve hackett plays and then it's just like the orchestration the strings the chord progressions it's just it's lush and it's gorgeous and i play it every day on the first day of fall because that's what it makes me think of Thank you. 
Phil Collins on the Brian Oak Show, as chosen by one David Anania. Oh, I'm sorry, it was Genesis. It was wasn't Genesis. It, it yeah. was okay. Sorry. sorry, I, I, and I know I could see the pain in your eyes when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he totally he had that. He looked oh, at he me flinched like, flinched like, oh, did it? Why is he so embarrassing? The question I'm gonna, the question I'm going to ask you right now is this, and I mean it in all sincerity because I've never been a huge Phil Collins guy. I came to MTV in the mid '80s. My family never had cable growing up, so when I went to college, there it was, and there was no shortage of Genesis and or Phil Collins or Peter Gabriel in particular. And I dug all that, but I understood, and I came to understand in relatively short, uh, relatively short span of time that that was not who those guys were and where they came from or what they were going to go on to do, either of them. They both got much more interesting, but again, the 80s weren't kind to a lot of people who came of age in the 70s. Nope. Phil Collins, I want you to tell me and look me in the eyes, and I, I, I won't admit I'm wrong, but I will do some additional homework. Phil Collins is an important drummer. Absolutely. And, and why so? Here, I mean... For me, he was like, okay, all these guys, and this this is where if you do the research, you go back and listen to some of the Genesis records that are like absolute prog masterpiece records, mm-hmm. that, and that's what they were known for, which has made this huge rift between when Phil took over as lead singer and before. Um, these kids, they were like 21, 22 years old, and they were writing songs that were... And you may not want to listen all the way through, but there were 24 minute, like there's this epic song that's 24 minutes long and it has like kind of movements. It's like a, it's like a rock symphony basically. Yeah. And there are odd time signatures and all this like complex drumming and fills and the whole thing. And he was at the forefront of that. It was like Phil and Bill Bruford and Alan White from Yes. And then Neil Peart from Rush, um, Carl Palmer, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, mm. um, See, but I feel like these are the kind of drummers, and not just drummers, but any sort of instrumentalist at all, whether you're playing guitar, whether you're playing the Hammond B3 like Rick Wakeman, I feel like, you know, it's good and it's interesting and it's complex, but is it is it enjoyable without having some sort of framework of knowledge about what it is they're trying to convey and what, it, to me, it's like jazz, right? Like, I've been a very, very slow learner in jazz. I like a lot of jazz. I'm not saying that prog rock is the same as jazz at all, but for an outsider, I think that if you don't have a framework, if you don't have yeah. some sort of base understanding, is it is it possible to have any idea what's happening at all? Well, that's that's the weird thing. Like for me, I, I normally, like I said, other nine year olds were listening to what was happening in 1979. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, Lots. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. I happen to love that particular year. Yep. I was a big Cars guy and a big Blondie guy, and yep. so those are still in my top five all time. But there yep. was also a lot of fucking trash on the radio then. Well, but and and you know, yes or no. But the thing is, like that kind of music is like straight up four four kick snare hat. Like it's pop. It's rock. Yeah. Pop rock. Amen, brother. And, it, and it's and it's incredible. And those records were so well produced. Great stuff. And here I am, like somehow something just hit me where I just veered off into this like prog rock, like rabbit hole at the time and didn't know it. But for me, like Phil was playing all of that when he was like in his early 20s. Right. And then he went on while still doing Genesis. He was doing like this really cool jazz fusion group called Brand X that he did. Then all of a sudden he got into he started writing pop songs because of his first divorce. 
And then he became like this international superstar and yep. he was singing and he was producing other guys. He produced like Eric Clapton, uh, Robert Plant, Adam Ant, Frida from Ava. Like he's just got into all of that. So it was like, for me, he's, he's an extremely important drummer because he was at the forefront of this new approach to drumming, which came out of like the 60s, which was James Brown kind of funk, the Beatles, the Beach Boys kind of surfer rock getting into a little more experimental which you can argue that like Sgt. Pepper or Pet Sounds would be like kind of almost prog albums. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I think you can do more than argue that. I mean, you listen to the White Album even, and while it's not as well orchestrated, the amount of breaking all of the known rules of rock at that point, especially for a band at that level, there was nothing else like it. Now, the thing, the difference for me is it wasn't jazzy and proggy. Prog is hard for me to follow. Like, I need a groove. There's a reason I love Queens of the Stone Age as much as I do. They'll do a seven-minute song, yeah. but it's got, like, a good groove, and it's got a rock backbeat to it. And some of us, frankly, David, are a little simpler than you are, all right? Wow. You're welcome. Wow. David Anania is our guest today. and That was me throwing myself on the sword, man. That had nothing to do with you. I'm Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. Once again, we want to thank Smart Start MN. Before we wrap things up here, we also want to thank our friends at Moxie Wealth Management. I'd like to thank you, Sean Bernard, and wish you continued success because every time you buy or sell a home, you help a local musician and or band. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's kind of cool to be able to do a little little part. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm not expecting you to pay their mortgage. It's just, you know, a little a little bump in the side never hurts anybody ever. And, of course, thanks to our friends at AudioQuip, <laughs> right? I mean, what's that? I just love the, way the da- I love the way David looks at me. Like, some of the times when you say stuff, he's like, Bump on the side. What okay. the? Okay, that's that's not elevator speech elevator right there. Speech? Like if the you're side? gonna come up and hand some somebody roommates, drugs man. or money, you just give them a little bump on the side and you oh, drop yeah. it in yeah. their pocket. Oh, that I understood completely. Yeah. I'm not now sure that you did. Now we're with you. Yeah. I mean, it's been 30 years, but I mean, exactly. I've, I've done a side bump here. There. <clears throat> Hello. Thanks to all of our sponsors. I want to make sure to get audio equip in there because without yes. them, we do not have the glorious equipment that we have in this particular. We're studio. gonna have Nate Ryder on the show soon. Yes, we are coming yeah. up very soon. In fact, not this coming week but the following week because in addition to providing this incredible equipment to podcasters live musicians ted talkers whoever it might be if you need audio equipment these guys know their stuff and again sean and i made a commitment more than three years ago to not work with fucking dickheads and we maintain that commitment and we like the good people no, 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 no. Just because you don't have a hair. Doesn't David just... No, no, David. He just left. Come on now. Um, it's too late. We Good already know... You, we, we, we already know enough about you. We already know you're not a... Anyway, my point is this. Audioquip.com, but look for the little red um, logo that has the A with the circle arrow on it, because there's a couple other carpetbaggers out there as well. Yeah, they have high quality equipment, which you're hearing right now, unlike the not quality futon that we have just off to my right. I, I was I was informed that you were like on um I like I saw you in here with a drill and literally a crowbar that would I believe I could get into a tank with that crowbar. Yeah. Um, I MacGyvered it back together. It should be good for at least another couple of weeks. Fantastic news. <laughs> and when we need to bring a new one in, I know who we're gonna call. Anania. Anania. Anania, let Anania. me go. Anania. Go, 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 go. <clears throat> I see a little... Sorry. This is weird. <laughs> this is, this show has gotten decidedly weird. We're not quite at 60 minutes yet, but it got weird. <laughs> yes. For you those of like you still around. Time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have two things to ask you about before we let you go, and okay, we great. do have to wrap things up. Okay. 
very, very shortly. So today, we're recording this on Saturday, July 8th. To, uh, coming up very, very shortly, you are going to be performing literally two doors down from here on Chicago uh, at the Parkway Theater? That is correct. It's, it's, actually, it's actually in November. Why did I think it was coming up in a couple days? Uh, I'm not sure. Well, we're going to have to cancel this show, and let's just have him back on in October. All right, that's Should fine. We we'll then? talk to you in October. Yeah. No. Okay, right, then thanks, man. It. Coming down in three, two. <laughs> now, David, my understanding is that you have some local performances coming up. One of them, just a couple doors down from where we are right now in the Smart Start MN Studios on Chicago Avenue in South Minneapolis at the Parkway Theater with those medley kids. Tell me when. And tell me what those medley kids are. Okay, well, it ties in perfectly because those medley kids is a prog tribute band. Of course. that Of course it is. Um, and we started virtually during the pandemic. So I was in Berlin, Germany. Our bass player, Charles Fletcher, who is a longtime Minnesota Twin Cities like bass stalemate. Stalemate? Is that a word? Stalwart? Stale. I think stalwart is Stal- what you were looking stalwart for. Sounds yeah, stalemate, stalemate means that you're not ever going to get along and an it's impasse. over. Oh, yeah. Should we count down again? Coming down in three, two. We're leaving this in, by the way. We're leaving <laughs> all of this in. <laughs> Good, excellent. So, yeah, so we're uh, those medley kids started out as a virtual kind of hang with a bunch of guys who loved prog music that helped shape our love for being a musician when we were younger and it's got brian zimniak on keys david feely on guitar charles fletcher on bass and our lead singer is a guy named bill Pyle. the most interesting part about this was it worked great virtually because at that time i was in berlin charles lives in mexico and and bill the lead singer lives in saratoga new york so once I moved back <laughs> far flung far flung uh-huh and once i moved back to minneapolis we're like should we do this? And we did. And we've already had two gigs um, in the past year. And we have three gigs coming up the week before Thanksgiving. So uh, November 16th at the Pablo Center in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Go on. And then November 17th is the date. The Parkway Theater here on Chicago Avenue in Minneapolis. And then the following night we're playing, I believe, in St. Michael's. So if I wanted to follow you on Instagram, I would just go to onaneagram underscore official, and I could follow and get all the updated information. Absolutely. Excellent. I just, you know, here's the deal, man. We're not going to make anybody independently wealthy on this show, but people who like good music and people who want to get out there and support the scene, you know, I wish we had the ability to make you independently wealthy, but I promise you, Sean and I would take care of us first, right? Well, I would expect nothing less. (laughs) all right let's go ahead and wrap things up so we uh the reason i reached out to you initially is it is the fifth anniversary or was just a couple of days ago of your international debut solo release reinvent the feel when it comes to writing music is it a lyric is it a drum lick is it uh you know like a gut punch is it uh, something else that you hear what usually gets you in the mood to sit down and actually concoct some sort of sorcery like music? It, it I mean, it's different every time. Like yeah. I said, like for this, the actually the song that I think we're going to close out with today, yeah. it's called All We've Got Is Now. And that was the song that I wrote after I had this bout with stage fright. And it was just about like, you 
got to live in the moment. At the urinal or just like... <laughs> that's, as a matter of fact, <laughs> that's where I wrote the chorus. Um, Very awkward the, for the guy well, next to me. For the guy next to me, it certainly was. <laughs> but again, you know, you never know where your muse is going to strike and you never know where inspiration may take you. And the acoustics are so good. And the, they and really like, are. La, 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 la. <laughs> All right, we're going to go. I'm Brian. That's Sean. David, thank you very much for coming by. It was a pleasure. I loved coming and hanging out with you guys. Well, and you're, you're you welcome your to furniture. do it anytime. <laughs> Maybe we'll have you back in November right before your big gig at the Parkway. Tell me the name of the song one more time. This is called All We've Got Is Now.
Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services uh, Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. North Star Resource Group is an independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. 2701 University Avenue Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55414.